Okay, beyond censorship now, we're seeing the, the disinformation and the misinformation. Now, the disinformation and misinformation has always been there. That's part of the propaganda that we've seen that was part of the basic things that they use. But they are ratcheting this up big time. And they can because they can track everything about us. And so they can do targeted propaganda campaigns with the new tools that they have. And they can, they can target whatever they want directly at us. I want to talk about Robert Epstein's study that he did in Australia. People who don't know Robert Epstein, he's the one that went in front of Congress and said that six million votes were li likely switched during the 2016 campaign. And Google did it all on their own. Google can fix campaigns now. And this experiment that he did and study he did in Australia proves this. He, they did it on Twitter. Our world is changing rapidly. Many crucial systems we depend upon are collapsing. And the most important system that is failing is the food supply. But amidst the chaos, there is a path to resilience. I have the great Marjorie Wildcraft come to the program. People who do not know her, she is kind of like the mother of ultimate preppers. And she's just, she's really good. I've spent decades finding the fastest, easiest, and funnest ways for the average person to be able to grow a lot of food. I used to be a hopeless gardener, but thanks to Marjorie, I'm growing food, and I'm really happy my family has more food security. Marjorie's webinar gave me the confidence to raise and process my own meat. Food production, and Marjorie, I want to thank you for the, the free webinar that you put out there at that website. I've already had uh, you know massive response from people that love your information and how you, you express the joy of learning how to grow food also, and in a small amount of space, when it really counts. So thank you for all that you do, Marjorie. If you go to sarahsbackyardfarm.com, you can sign up for that seminar, that free seminar. I'll have the link below. And so if you have the opportunity, check it out, sarahsbackyardfarm.com, and you will get a ton of free, great information. everyone. I'm Sarah Westall, if you don't know who I am. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you to Jim Fetzer for putting on this conference. I've been speaking at it. I think it's my third or fourth year. And I really appreciate what he's doing. So many of us are censored. And this information just doesn't get out there in a professional quality way. And so I want to say thank you so much for Jim and for all of those who are helping him out to put this conference together. So thank you so much for that. And if you don't know who I am, you can go to my website at sarahwestall.com and see all my work there. And you can see my past presentations that I've done at the False Flags Conference. I believe Jim Fetzer still has it up on his website. Otherwise, you can go to my site. I am going to be talking about propaganda to psyops to mind war and mind warfare today. This is my third time speaking on it. I did a little mini documentary. It was about a 15 minute documentary that I did where I started to introduce this concept. And then I did a part two where I dove more into it relating to COVID and then touched on some of the technology. I touched on some of the technology in part one too. And then in part two, I did again. This time I'm gonna talk about the same topics, but I'm going to dive into more the technology and how they're going about doing it. But I'm gonna do a review of some of what I've already covered so that I can just get people caught up on some of this. And, and I think it'll help this be more understandable if I do a little bit more 
review on it. But before I get into that, I got to do a shout out to Leslie. She's with my agent and we have this competition on who has the best background. She has this beautiful background with this fire going Christmas tree. So this is me competing with Leslie. So I'm doing a shout out to her. So I hope you like my background today. I wanted to do a little bit more festive background knowing that it's the holidays here. Okay, enough with that. Let's get into my presentation here. I am in Florida right now with my family on vacation. So Jim let me do this presentation on video. So thank you so much. I hope you get even more out of it because I think I've spent more time on it when I'm doing it in video. Okay, let's start with what the definition of PSYOP really is. Here's from the Library of Congress. This is an overview of psychological operations. They say it's a planned political, economic, military, and ideological activities directed toward foreign countries, organizations, and individuals in order to create emotions, attitudes, understandings, beliefs, or behaviors favorable to the achievement of U.S. political and military objectives. Now, this is where I correct it and say it's not just about foreign countries. We are the target now. We have been the target for probably since 2012 when they modified the Smith-Mutt Act, and we are suffering through it, and this is why we see what we see here. People have been suffering through psychological operations in other countries for decades, and we've always been under a certain amount of psychological operations here in this country. The mass media has kept us in the dark on almost every issue. That is propaganda, but now they've turned it on at full speed, and this is what we're dealing with all over the place. I'm going to give you two quotes from two different experts in the field of PSYOPs. The first is Colonel Fred Walker, and what he had to say is, we might consider the term persuasive communications to mean the same things as psychological operations. We also have Major Daughtry, and his is even more interesting. He says, PSYOP is communications and therefore covers the entire field of human actions. So basically, he just says it's everything, everything that we're encountering. And I think that that's probably a little closer to what the reality is of what PSYOPs are. So let's dive into it a little bit more. This is again from the Library of Congress. They say the first stage of the process is defining the target. The second is finding methods or agents to influence the target's perception of reality. And the third is the output of the message through the selected channels. Okay, so what are the channels and what are they doing? Okay, these are just the basic methods that we're all dealing with. It's the mass advertising campaigns. It's the mass media saying the exact same message everywhere. It's every politician on point on messaging. Now, if you think of COVID or how about this later, latest uh, thing with Israel and Gaza, every single politician except, I think, Massey who abstained, everyone voted for money going to Israel. We're, the United States is providing all the bombs that are going to bomb Gaza. We are, if we stopped providing that, they wouldn't be able to bomb Gaza to oblivion like they are. So the politicians are all on board, the mass media, if you listen to it, they talk about how terrible it is for the Israeli students and how awful it is and the poor Israelis that were killed on you know, the 12 or 1400 that were killed on October 7th. Now that is awful, but they only talk about that. They don't talk about the babies and the children that are being killed in Gaza, all these innocent people being killed. And this is how they're propagandizing and forcing the reality of genocide on all of us. And so many people are caught into it. I think there's a, there's, 
there's been a real growth here in the American people because when I've done articles and comments from my audience and from what I've been watching everywhere, I think the people have separated from the, the mainstream media and from the politicians. I think they're on an island of themselves and the people at large do not like this. They see it as genocide and it's a great sign that we're seeing the people really disconnecting from the mass media and from the politicians. It's, I think they're scared because this is the first time the people really just disconnected from it. COVID is another one. We, now we have people who are spinning off the politicians and people who are saying, hey, wait a minute, people are dying everywhere. We need to help them. And so we're starting to see that. But in general, it was the entire media, the entire politicians, pretty much across the board. That's when you know it's a psyop because like John Thaler, I didn't know, he's an expert on racketeering and fraud. And he says, anytime there's a hundred percent, like if you go to court and a hundred percent of the people lose out of like a thousand, that's a anomaly, a data anomaly. And you know, there's fraud. So anytime there's a hundred percent of the politicians all agreeing on something, you know there's something behind it and you know that there's blackmail or coercion or something else. And in this case with the Israel thing, we know they control the purse strings. We know they, it's like the United States is just a puppet state of Israel. We're watching that in action right now because none of the politicians can say anything negative about it. That's a clear indication of blackmail and coercion by external forces. So I'm gonna start getting into a couple of things that I'm repeating here, but I think it's important and I'll lay the foundation of what I'm gonna be talking about. First of all, people are herd animals. They know it, they use it against us and they weaponize it against us. They wanna make people feel that if they don't do something, they're against the herd. For some reason, I don't care if I, I can walk the opposite direction of the herd and I'm perfectly okay. They don't like people like me and we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. But they know that they want everybody to think that everyone is doing it. So you better go. Otherwise, you're being left behind. That's what happened with COVID. That's what's happened with the everybody stood by Ukraine. Every single major thing that they're working on, that's their goal is to make it seem like everyone's in agreement. And then if you don't agree or you don't do it, you're a bad person or you're you're left out of the crowd. And so they use that against us. And I'm going to play a couple experiments here. And it shows you just how silly, just how strong this urge is. People will do the dumbest, silliest things to feel like they fit into whatever group that they're part of. Take a look at this crowded waiting room. These people may appear to be waiting for the eye doctor, but they're actually waiting for the first test subject in our hidden camera experiment. And here she is, right on time for her 12 o'clock appointment. Hi, how are you doing? This woman thinks she's here for a free eye exam. Have you been here before? No, it's my first time. What she doesn't know is that everyone else in this room is working for us. They'll be with you in just a couple minutes. Today, we're running an experiment on social conformity, and the test starts now. Did you hear that? These people sure did. It doesn't take long for our test subject to notice a pattern. Beep means stand up. But why? 
And if you were in her shoes, what would you do the next time the tone sounds? While you might think you make your decisions all on your own, when it comes to peer pressure, all too often, your brain is just following the crowd. It's all around you, every day, an invisible force you're probably not even aware of. It affects what you do, how you think, and who you are. We set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone, simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this. Or would you? After just three beeps, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the group. But what happens if we take the group away? Elaine, please. Okay, now she's alone, the crowd is gone, and nobody is watching her, except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now, watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Great, thanks. thanks so much. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. And slowly but surely, what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room. Here to explain what's going on in their brains is Jonah Berger of the University of Pennsylvania. This sort of internalized form of herd behavior is part of what we call social learning. Starting at a very early age, when we see members of our group perform a task, our brains literally reward us for following in their footsteps. When I saw everybody stand up, I felt like I needed to join them. Otherwise, I'm like excluded. Once I decided to go with it, then I felt much more comfortable. Conformity is how we become socialized, but it can also cause us to develop bad habits or repeat past wrongs. And it's why even this rebel who wasn't standing for any of this nonsense, eventually joined the ranks. And the only thing more shocking than seeing how easily conformity affects the way you act 
is that similar forces are subconsciously shaping the way you think right now. So that was kind of a silly experiment, and it shows you just how how much silliness people are willing to go through just to fit in. And I know that you've seen this in your daily life where that people just do things like, God, why am I doing this? It's so silly. And you see everybody doing it because they want to fit in. Okay, here's another experiment. This is a famous experiment, the ash experiment. And watch this one. But an experiment is not a public opinion poll. It examines behavior under the pressure of social forces, as the experiment of Solomon Ash reveals. The experiment you'll be taking part in today involves the perception of lengths of lines. As you can see here, I have a number of cards, and on each card there are several lines. Your task is a very simple one. You're to look at the line on the left and determine which of the three lines on the right is equal to it in length. All right, we'll proceed in this order. You'll give your answer. Only one of the people in the group is a real subject, the fifth person with the white t-shirt. The others are confederates of the experimenter and have been told to give wrong answers on some of the trials. The experiment begins uneventfully as subjects give their judgments. Two, 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 three, 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 three. But on the third trial, something happens. Two, two, two. Two. Uh, two. The subject denies the evidence of his own eyes and yields to group influence. One. Ash found subjects went along with the group on 37% of the critical trials. One. But he found through interviews One. that they went along with the group for different reasons. One. One. They must be right. There are four of them and one of me. One. This subject's yielding is based on a distortion of his judgment. He genuinely believes that the group is correct. One. 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 Two. One. Two. 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 I know they're wrong, but why Two. should I make waves? Two. In this case, the subject knows he is right, but goes along to avoid the discomfort of disagreeing Two. with the group. Here, the distortion is at the level of his response. Two. 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 In the previous experiment, Two. the naive subject stood alone against the group. In this variation, Ash gave the naive subject a partner, here seated in the third position, who also gives the correct response. One. One, two, one, two. With a partner, yielding drops to only 5% of the critical trials compared to 37% without a partner. Although subjects report warmth and good feeling toward the partner, they typically deny that he played a role in their own independence. Two. The partnership variation shows that much of the power of the group came not merely from its numbers, but from the unanimity of its opposition. When that unanimity is punctured, the group's power is greatly reduced. Sometimes we go along with a group because what they say convinces us they are right. This is called informational conformity. But sometimes we conform because we are apprehensive that the group will disapprove if we are deviant. This is called normative conformity. The strength of the normative factor is shown in another variation carried out by Ash. 
In this variation, the subject is told that because he had arrived late, he would have to write his answers. Subjects in this private response experiment are exposed to the same amount of misleading information as other subjects, but they are immune from any possible criticism by the group. One. One. And this enormously reduces the pressure to conform. Conformity drops by two-thirds. Ash's experiment is a classic. It reveals how people will deny what they see and submit to group pressure. It allows us not only to observe conformity, but to study the conditions that increase or reduce its occurrence. This one's really powerful and it's telling you a message. It's saying that if there's one person with you who doesn't agree with it, it ups the odds of the person feel, having the confidence to go with what they know is right. This is really fundamental to what's going on with censorship. If you've been paying attention, you know the global economy is transforming. The BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency, and many countries are joining their effort. The Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are going to fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. If the first methods that I talked about do not work, the mass media all being on message, the politicians all being on message, the mass advertising campaigns not working, then they go to the next level and that's censorship. That's what we're seeing right now because voices like mine and yours and all the people here on this conference, they don't want our voices to be heard because we're like that person in the ash experiment where we give others confidence to say, wait a minute, I know what's right. And these people are saying the same thing as me. So now I have the confidence to go away from the herd. So to the PSYOP controllers, I am bad because, and you're bad and all of us are bad because we are projecting a message that goes against what they're trying to do. And they know that it takes away from this very powerful herd mentality that's built into us when there's voices like mine contradicting the message. So when we all got deleted off for COVID or for the election results or whatever else we're getting deleted off for, it's because we're saying things they don't want the average person to hear because for God's sake, they can't think on their own and they need to follow what they're telling us. Once people like us come around, they tend to be less easy to manipulate. And that's what that ash experiment is saying. It's really a powerful experiment. I love that one. Okay, this is from the Library of Congress again, and it points to what I'm talking about here. It says, in the process, the most critical element is credibility. To retain the attention of the audience, the audience must be convinced it is receiving information that is reliable and pertinent to its interests. 
if the audience detects contradictions or falsehoods, credibility is lost for a particular operation and perhaps for future operations as well. Therefore, the cardinal model for all PSYOP applications is truth is the best PSYOP. This is where paradigm and mental constructs, this is me adding now, this is where paradigm and mental constructs are important. Where truth cannot be deployed, censorship is paramount. This is where they bring in the censorship because we are messing up the what's true. We're showing the contradictions. We're pointing out the falsehoods, and we're they're losing credibility for it. And that's really bad for PSYOP. That's why they need to shut us down. The other thing that's important in that statement is the truth concept. They want it to be your own mental construct. So, for example, with COVID, it was important for people to think that it was true. The vaccine worked and that if you don't take it, you're going to be hurting other people around you. You might die if you don't take this vaccine. And so they're going to march out and get this vaccine because in their brain, that's the truth. They feel it's the the truth. When there's people like me saying, wait a minute, this is a, this is a, uh, experimental vaccine, you could die, your immune system, you don't take it. That messes up the truth narrative and it messes up their credibility. Okay, beyond censorship now, we're seeing the, this, the disinformation and the misinformation. Now the disinformation and misinformation has always been there. That's part of the propaganda that we've seen that was part of the basic things that they use. But they are ratcheting this up big time and they can because they can track everything about us. And so they can do targeted propaganda campaigns with the new tools that they have, and they can, they can target whatever they want directly at us. I wanna talk about Robert Epstein's study that he did in Australia. People who don't know Robert Epstein, he's the one that went in front of Congress and said that six million votes were li likely switched during the 2016 campaign, and Google did it all on their own. Google can fix campaigns now. And this experiment that he did and study he did in Australia proves this. He, they did it on Twitter and it was double blind, placebo. They did all the things to make it so that it was a legit study and nobody could question it. And then what they did is they put on Twitter these disinformation, misinformation, biased information about different candidates. And they showed that as much as 87% of the people shifted their voting on who they were going to vote for based on the biased information. And only 2.1% of the target group even were aware they were looking at biased information. Let me repeat that. 87% of the people who were in this study were affected by the misinformation to the point where they changed who they voted for. And only 2.1% of the people in the large group even realized they were looking at biased data. This is how powerful Google is in these mainstream media social networking platforms. Google, which people don't understand, they have 80, they had 87% of the market share two, two years ago. Last year, it went up to 89% in 2022. I don't know what it is yet in 2023. We have to see what the latest reports are. Worldwide, it jumped to 94%. So the fact that they have this much power over us is pretty scary. And we're going to dive into a little bit more of the power that these companies have. And then we're going to dive into even more technology that they're using, which is just crazy because there's people like us out there who are messing up their agenda so they feel they have to take it to the next level.
Okay, this is another video that I'm replaying from my presentation from before, but I had to replay this one because so many people missed this when I played it last time. And who it is, is Dr. Giordano. He is a top neurologist, PSYOP expert, and he was speaking at West Point. And he's talking about how they can infiltrate institutions and they can change the protocols in hospitals based on a disease. He is explicitly in 2018 explaining what they did in hospitals and to different communities regarding COVID. But of course, if we spill over the idea of soft weaponology into a hard weaponization, we also see the use of biodata as a viable weapon. Manipulating biodata so that I can then put into your particular medical records subtle information that may change the disposition of whether you're sick or not, change how you're treated, influence the postures that go to you in terms of insurance, care, viability for military service. By altering that information, by changing those data, by purloining those data, I essentially change the you of you. And I can do that in very subtle and insidious ways. Furthermore, I can do that on a variety of different levels that can affect key individuals so that in fact your medical record changes to thereby render you incapable or at least invalid to be able to serve in a way you're serving. Or I can do that on a much larger scale, groups, populations. And if I change those data, I change the way you're being regarded and treated. And I can do that in one of two ways. I can do it in such a way that you're going to be regarded in a negative sense, or I can do that in such a way that I'm going to treat you incorrectly. If I say, for example, you have a particular allergy, or you have particular sensitivities, or you have a particular disorder, you will be treated for that. And that could then harm your health and your stability in both a short wars approach as well as a long wars approach. So I hope you caught that when he's talking about how in a hospital you give them the wrong protocols for a disease that was misdiagnosed and that how that fundamentally breaks down the local communities or the state or whatever. That's what happened in COVID and that's what they did. And he's talking about it right here. Okay, so let's get into different technologies that they are implementing. Past censorship, disinformation, and misinformation, they are working on some pretty extreme technologies to control our brains, to control its mind war, its mind hacking. And this is the technology that's just barreling down on us. And so I want people to understand what it is that we're dealing with. Okay, so we're talking about different energy weapons, directed at frequencies, manipulating DNA, manipulating viruses, supplementing the ionosphere so that they can send messages easier and, and control the data streams in our atmosphere. And then all sorts of other things, brain implants, two-way communications with computers, sending dreams. I mean, there's a ton of things. So we're going to talk about some of this. But first, I'm going to play a previous clip from my documentary where I just do the basics on this technology. There are some purely natural conditions under which minds may become more or less receptive to ideas, and mind war should take full advantage of such phenomena. It continues to list three scientific means of manipulating humans. One, atmospheric electromagnetic activity. Electromagnetic activity or energy is the entire spectrum of light. Examples include visible light, x-rays, microwaves, radio, television signals, and wireless networks such as 4G and 5G. The paper goes on to say that under varying external EM conditions, humans are more or less disposed to consideration of new ideas. Second, it proposes ionization of the air. The report states, the calculation of the ionic balance of a target audience's atmospheric environment will be correspondingly useful. 
An abundance of negative ions enhances alertness and exhilaration, while an excessive of positive ions enhances drowsiness and depression. Negative ions are found in higher concentrations in nature. They, the highest concentrations are found by waterfalls, in forests, mountains, and by the ocean. Whereas positive ions are found in city centers, in closed office spaces, and by any area heavy in electronic devices. Third, it recommends extremely low frequency ELF waves. ELF waves, or electronic magnetic frequency waves that they are proposing, are the ones at the low part of the spectrum, those up to 20 hertz. The report states, infrasound vibration up to 20 hertz can subliminally influence brain activity to align itself to data, theta, alpha, and beta wave patterns, inclining an audience toward everything from alertness to passivity. Infrasound can be used tactically as ELF waves endure for great distances, and it could be used in conjunction with media broadcasts as well. Bottom line, these applications can be used in conjunction with other methods to reprogram societies to follow the agenda without much resistance and, if successfully implemented, people will even embrace the agenda willingly. So embracing the agenda willingly is what they're trying to go after. And so they're going to be doing it from every single aspect they can, from controlling our emotions and our thinking. It's as if they have no line that's too far to cross because they're working on it. So hopefully all this that I present you today will give you some things to go from. Obviously, this is a huge field. I'm not going to be able to explain all of it in an hour, but I'm hoping I can give you enough nuggets that you can go and go, oh my God, look, this is what they're doing. I have a whole collection of different doctors and scientists, and I try to pick and choose some things to show you so you can see just how far down this path they really are. Okay, I'm going to start with Yuval Harari, and I know nobody likes this guy, but I don't know, to me, when I listen to him, he sounds like me talking half the time. I realize he's associated with the World Economic Forum, and I'm not. And he does other things that are, you know, he's in that crowd. And But a lot of what he's saying, especially here, is really good. So maybe he's the one that's supposed to go out there and tell the truth so that you, they can claim the informed consent. I don't know, but he's saying some good stuff here. So I want you to hear it. This is his hackable animals, but he's actually providing a warning for people. So listen to this. I think the most important thing to know about living in the 21st century is that humans are now hackable animals. To, to hack a human being means to understand that human better than he or she understand themselves, which was never possible in history before on a massive scale. I mean, on an individual level, yes, uh, my mother, at least until a certain age, knew me better than I knew myself. And that was good, because her interests were aligned with mine. And then it, after a certain age, it's, it's not so good if your mother still knows you better than you know yourself. But it's much, much worse if there is a corporation or a government rather than a parent that knows you better than you know yourself. Does it have to be worse? Again, it could be used for a good purpose. I'm not saying let's stop all technological pro uh, progress. But it, if it falls into the hand of a 21st century Stalin, the result is the worst totalitarian regime in history. And we already have a number of applicants for the job of 21st century Stalin. So we need to be very, very careful about it. What I meant is that 
Homo sapiens is now acquiring technologies that can either destroy us or upgrade us, but will not leave us as we are. Authority will gradually shift from us to these corporate or government algorithms that will increasingly decide almost everything about our life. You apply to the bank to get a loan, it's an algorithm that decides. You apply to get a job, it's an algorithm. Um, even questions like what to study or whom to marry will increasingly be decided by these algorithms. So think 10, 20 years in the future, in North Korea or someplace like that, every citizen has a biometric bracelet on the hand. And they follow not just where you go, but how you feel. If there is a big speech by the big leader on the radio, and everybody must listen, you can smile and you can clap your hands, but they know that you're actually angry. This is a kind of power that nobody in history ever had. It's far beyond even George Orwell's 1984. And this is not science fiction. It's not a thousand years in the future. Some regimes are already starting to build these total surveillance systems even now. We have 10, 20 years uh, to do something about it. If we take the wrong decisions, maybe there is no way back. Once you establish a kind of digital dictatorship that has this kind of knowledge of everybody, there is absolutely no way to destroy the system from within. So he's saying just what I'm saying. I mean, if you get this power is in the hand of the wrong people, and probably his people are the wrong people, that's the problem. But if you get this in the hands of the wrong people like we have now, we are going to, I mean, this is like Stalin on steroids. And they want to do a depopulation. They want, you know, Stalin depopulated, what, 100 million people in Russia to Mao, 100 million people? I don't know. There Millions of people died in China. Millions of people died in the Soviet Union. Millions and millions and millions of people are going to die worldwide if they have their way. And that's what we're talking about the wrong, this stuff gets in the hands of the wrong people, like with COVID or with Israel, all these things, these people are tyrants. And this is the power that they have. And it's why we need to be aware of it and push back. He's warning us we only have a decade or so. And that if we don't get this under control, this is the power that they're gonna have. They're gonna know us so well, better than we know ourselves that they can manipulate us. Just like the Robert Epstein, study that was done in Australia, they can do that in almost everything that we do. They manipulate people. Only the most aware people will be able, people who know themselves the best, will be able to fight the urges and the messages that they're sending. And they are getting extremely powerful tools to be able to do that. And let's think about it for a second. If people are, are familiar with the Myers-Briggs, Myers-Briggs is a, a psychological evaluation where they ask you about 100 questions. And then off of that, it can get amazingly close to what your personality really is. It's really kind of crazy. I think it's a little off for me, but pretty close. But they now have thousands and thousands of data points. They can actually correct themselves on the fly, too, as they're checking you out. Say, oh, it's not quite right. And they can readjust because they're constantly getting feedback. And so if they can get that close on your psychological profile just on 100 questions, how close are they on knowing you better than you know yourself on thousands of data points? 
this is what he's talking about. And this is what I've been talking about for the last, I, I started talking about this for about eight years now. And I've just, with energy weapons and the control of frequencies, I talk a lot about frequencies. I have Sherry Edwards on a lot, who is amazing. If you don't know who she is, you need to check her out. She was born being able to hear a couple hundred times better. She's had military labs check her out. She's had multiple PBS studies. She's quite amazing. And she's, uh can hear the whole math matrix and the whole frequencies is when I'm talking about the frequencies and she can hear it. And I know another person who can see it. It's just crazy. There's people who are born with anomalies. They're like living X-Men and they can actually see this stuff. And this is what they're tapping into. This is what all these military DARPA black budgets are working on. They know it. Now our mainstream medicine and our mainstream science our communications, they're still clueless. They're starting to get a little bit of it. But believe me, DARPA and all those black projects, they are have been working on this for decades. And that's what I'm going to show you. So let's get into what he means by hackable animals, because that's where the magic is or the evil is, depending on how you want to look at it. Let's start with Jose Delgado. He is considered by some the father of mind control. And he first splashed onto the screen when he did this bull experiment where he put just these little electrodes in this bull and he was challenged to see if he could do a bullfight and control the bull. It was very dangerous. If you don't know what you're doing with a bullfight, you can get yourself killed, right? And he's like, I can do this. And so he went in there and controlled the bull just with frequencies in their mind. So watch this little clip. Electronic mind control research is not new. A scientific milestone in this area came in the 1960s when Dr. Jose Delgado demonstrated remote control over a charging bull. By connecting a radio antenna to electrodes inserted into the bull's brain, Delgado proved that the animal's aggressive impulses could be thwarted by electronically manipulating the bull's muscle reflexes. Do you realize the fantastic possibilities if from the outside we could modify the inside could we give messages to the inside? But the beauty is that now we are not using electrodes. In recent years, Delgado has shown that the behavior of monkeys can be altered using low-power pulsating magnetic fields. But in these experiments, there were no antenna implants. Any function in the brain, emotions, intellect, personality, well, could be perhaps modified by this non-invasive technology. Delgado's research has so far been limited to animals. But in the Soviet Union, a radio frequency, or RF device, has been used for over 30 years to manipulate the moods of mental patients. Also found this clip of him, that, that person explaining how he did this monkey experiment. I think it's really interesting because they had this, this horrible monkey who was a bully and kind of dominated everybody as a bully. It was a, I don't know, we have bullies in our own lives where the loudest, most obnoxious person is the one that controls everything in the room. Well, what happened is they put these frequencies in this monkey's brain and one, another monkey could control this lever. Well, here, they'll explain it to you. In one dramatic experiment performed in Bermuda in 1966, Delgado implanted a stymo receiver in a gibbon ape who had been terrorizing his cage mates. The electrodes were implanted in the ape's caudate nucleus, a region of the brain associated with aggression, and a lever connected to the transmitter was installed in the cage. One of the female apes quickly realized the significance of the lever and began enthusiastically pulling it to power 
pacify the aggressive male. Within days, the entire social order of the cage had been turned upside down. As Delgado later wrote, the old dream of an individual overpowering the strength of a dictator by remote control has been fulfilled, at least in our monkey colonies. Okay, so that's all this, and the, the female monkey loved it and just kept using it to try to calm down this guy, and it completely changed the makeup of their group. Now, this guy wasn't the, the greatest dude when you start looking at some of his comments. Here's a couple quotes that he had. We need a program of psychosurgery for political control of our society. The purpose is physical control of the mind. Everyone who deviates from the given norm can be surgically manipulated. The individual may think that the most important reality is his own existence, but this is only his personal point of view. This lacks historical perspective. Man does not have the right to develop his own mind. This kind of liberal orientation has great appeal. We must electrically control the brain. Someday armies and generals will be controlled by electric stimulation of the brain. He was not well liked once this information got out. The public kind of pushed back against him. But after the bull experiment happened, he was brought in under the CIA and his projects went dark. And now you know, I, this is what they've been working on. They claim that his work never provided anything meaningful, but it was all black under the CIA. And now with other scientists coming out, you know that it was used as a basis of the start of all this mind hacking and all these other experiments that they're doing he just got shoved into and folded into the program he probably led a lot of these experiments but we don't know because it was all black but fortunately people are coming out scientists are coming out and talking about what some of these things are let's talk about the voice of god people may remember during the iraqi war that the soldiers started surrendering in mass and here's a little clip showing that. There was a CEO of a company, I tried to find it on a TED talk, I can't find it, so I don't know if they took it down or what, but he admitted that his company actually did this, this is the voice of God technology, and but I couldn't find it. So I found a scientist who worked on this technology who also explained it. And I think it's almost better in that way because he, he can explain the technology. But there was another scientist that I'm not going to air. He talks about directing sound. He compared it to when we were first trying to figure out uh, light. We didn't know how to target light. It was everywhere, spraying everywhere. And then we had to work on it to get it to a point where it was targeted. And to the point now where we can target it so well, we can do lasers. Well, sound can be targeted too. It's just part of the, the waves. It's a sound wave versus a light wave. And they figured out how to target waves and pinpoint it to a certain spot so they can make it seem like it's coming right in my head. We can have it hear it here, hear it here, or somebody else can hear it and I can't hear it because they're targeting the sound. Here's another scientist that I found that I think is really great. He's a PhD from Harvard, and he worked on the Voice of God program that you saw with the Iraqi soldiers. And he also talks about mind hacking. And he also says, and I didn't include it in this little clip, but he also says that people need to be careful because he believes that there's a depopulation eugenics program underway. But here's him talking about the voice of God. I, my real specialty is artificial intelligence and robotics and um, redefining 
what human beings will be in the future. And a lot of people find this scary. I don't want to be redefined. I, I don't like this idea, something that's beyond my control, the very sense of self uh, is going to be altered. Well, you're actually under a lot of control systems, and you have been since birth. So I was talking a little bit uh, about, um, well, mind control in particular, and something that I worked on, uh, and I'm not proud of, but uh, it's called the voice of God weapon. So there are four different techniques and technologies that can pipe voices into an individual's head. And once you can do that, you can control them using neuro-linguistic programming techniques. Um, you're rewiring their thought processes and brains. Um, and so this gets into what's called offensive information warfare. And they used it, I believe, in the Gulf War uh, to tell the enemy at that time, lay down your guns, this is Allah. And it worked pretty well, because hearing voices which have no direction or sound, you have to assume that it's some spiritual entity. Uh, so it works pretty well. And uh, <clears throat> then, I don't know if I'm going to get into this, but there's something called hyper-game theory. How do you, they, they want to see if they can manipulate people to do things that are irrational, but also walk them to their death. And so you can call it a eugenics program even. Um, and they need to sample all cultures, language, uh, throughout the world to define their probability matrices of which tricks, techniques, deception works. Um, that's just what's happening. Now we have uh, which are magnetically activated nanoparticles and sensors. So how do you control the brain? Most people don't believe that. Oh, you can't control me. I, I have my own free will. There's no way you can get to my soul. Well, sorry, that's not true. Um, so these nanoparticles are activated under certain magnetic frequency and will alter the brain patterns and pathways. Uh, recently, my school came out, Harvard came out with uh, what you see here on the right slide is the magnified view of a needle that's injected into the brain and puts the scaffolding over the brain and then it's read that way at a f much finer resolution. So let's talk about a little bit um, um, about deciphering the audio and visual cortex. Uh, so researchers at the University of California, Berkeley have invented a brain decoder device that's able to work out what you're thinking based on neural activity inside of the brain. Now they use mostly what's called functional MRIs. Um, but uh, you could use any of these technologies I've talked about. If you're reading text in a newspaper or book, you hear a voice in your own head. Usually, most people are reading kind of aloud in their own head. Well, they can 
read that, decipher the words that you were thinking to yourself. So there's uh, another one, uh, University of LA, maybe Stanford University. They are decoding visual images. So they train the person under a functional MRI, that's the standard technique, to look at images and then they record them and then they ask the person to uh, imagine the object. It can also just be imaginary. And the computer will decipher the brain code and so you're looking at a hammer, you're looking at a saw, that's a house, that's a cat. So the technology in the civilian sector is coming along uh, quite quick, quickly. Somebody apparently from NASA leaked this as something they were working on. And telepathy, electronic two-way communications. Well, we have that now. And that's very scary if you don't, if you never experienced it. Um, Making hum humanity think an alien invasion is about to occur at every major city. Well, we have holograms in the sky. I describe that technology. Um, and you know, they, they talk about other things uh, that might make this come about. But all I am saying is beware. So it's pretty incredible that they're able to do all this stuff, and they've been able to do it since the Iraq War in in field operations. That means they could do it before that. And that's been, what, 25 years? So how much more are they doing since? Okay, well, let's talk a little bit more about some of these DARPA programs. I have a journalist, Annie Jacobson. I actually interviewed her about eight years ago and some other uh, applications, some cool things that we we're talking about. And since then, she's been doing some research on DARPA, but she's going to talk about how they're doing a brain implant into a larvae. So hear this. There's a moth. So there's a mandica sexta moth. That's what it's called. It's a large moth. And sci DARPA scientists put brain chips into the larva when I went there to meet a DARPA scientist who was working on an artificial brain for DARPA. And that little wasp drone there uh, being shot off the arm of an operator is it weighs just a few pounds and it has some of the most incredible technology. Okay, the scary thing about developing a brain, they're doing a brain simulation and they're doing, they're trying to build an artificial brain. And what, but they're also trying to manipulate bugs and they figured out that you can send a certain frequency to make the wing go one way and you figure another frequency makes the other wing go. You do them both, you can go and then they have frequencies that get them to turn. They can pretty much control a little insect like a robot with frequencies. And so by implanting chips, they can, they've gotten to the point where they can just control the little insect. You know, the next step is putting brain chips in us. And here, here's the deal. DARPA was just given the approval to do that, a two-way neural program. So here's another scientist talking about that. A team of six researchers received funding from DARPA under the N3 program, also known as Next Generation Non-Surgical Neurotechnology. They were working on a brain-machine interface. The team was led by Jacob Robinson from Rice University. We've been able to manipulate viruses so that they can introduce new genes that give cells the ability to do things they don't normally do. And then they go farther with the CRISPR, you know, where, where the CRISPR technology is where you can splice genes wherever you want and they can actually manipulate genes and the, the DNA of a person. But I gotta tell you, I had the scientists on from Austin, the lab in Austin, University of 
uh, Texas, Austin, and they determined, or they are the first ones to figure out the CRISPR not only cuts in the place you want, but it has another unintended 50 to 100 other places that it cuts. So this is very dangerous technology because if you think you're just going to cut there, you're also cutting all over the place. They don't even know what it's doing to people right now. They need a much more precise technology before they can really do this, but they don't care. They're just flying like it doesn't matter, which is really scary. But they know this, that cuts in 50 to 100 different other places. But let, here are this other scientists talking about how they're using CRISPR and other technologies like that to change our DNA. You put that together with an enzyme called Cas. And so you take the CRISPR that you want to use and you put these pieces together that can be injected and insert this DNA to certain areas of the brain so that we can change brain cells. And then that gets us to... Elon Musk and his Neuralink, because this is exactly what he's doing with messing with these two-way technologies, implanting things in your brain, being able to get these monkeys to control these devices with just their minds. We've submitted, I think, most of our paperwork to the FDA, and we're, we're, we think probably in about six months we should be able to have our first Neuralink in a human. What you're seeing there is it looks like the matrix, but that, that's uh, actually, the, the, that's a real output of, of neural signals. So that, that's, that's not a simulation or a, just a screensaver or something. That, those are actual neurons firing. That is one of the, what one of the readouts looks like. Here you can see uh, Sake, that's one of our other monkeys, uh, typing on a keyboard. Now, he's, this is telepathic typing. So to be clear, this is... It, the, he's, he's not actually using a keyboard, he's moving a, a, the cursor with his mind uh, to the highlighted key. Now, now technically, um, uh, we can't, can't actually spell and... Uh, <laughs> so I don't want to oversell this thing, uh, because that's, uh, that's the next version. Um, so the... But what's really cool here is, is um, Sake the monkey is moving the mouse cursor using just his mind. So, of course, once you can get these monkeys or you can get people to control a device with just their mind, which there are really good applications for it, especially for people who are disabled. I mean, there are just great applications for it. But we have to be careful because there's great applications. They, these black projects they're they're just going for it and so if they can a monkey can control the screen you can also control the monkey's mind and what they're trying to do in order to control somebody that you want to know what the entire frequencies are of the brain what frequencies do what how does it affect people so they have the mind project and it's I couldn't find much about it. I heard a couple of scientists bring it up, but they don't talk about it much other than the fact that they're in the process. DARPA has been in the process for years, mapping out every single frequency and how it affects your mind. So they're the, almost to the point where they have the entire mind matrix of frequencies figured out so they can just program things. Okay, they want Sarah to have this emotion. They just program that and they, they send it to me. Next thing you know, I'm happy, sad, angry, whatever it is. That's what they're doing. Now, think about it when it comes to, uh, there was another speaker earlier, it was Harari, who was talking about how North Korea, when you're getting a uh, presentation, and if you have this little wrist where they're tracking you, 
he was saying that you have to act happy, right? The, the leader is speaking, the ruler is speaking, so you have to act happy. But with this little wrist thing where they monitor you, they can tell if you're really happy. And so can imagine you're there, you're pissed off, but you're acting happy like you like the person, but they know you're not happy, so you get punished anyways. So now it's about you have to truly be happy, otherwise they punish you. They can figure out who the dissenters are because you can't fake it. That's what they're trying to get to is a point where they can do full spectrum uh, monitoring. Full spectrum monitoring isn't just what you're doing online. It's also monitoring how you feel and what you think so that they can control. So if I think that COVID's a scam, they're going to go after me because 90% of the people actually believe them and they don't want me messing with it. So they're going to track everybody mentally, see who sees through the BS, the people who see through the BS, they know already because they can track how you think and then they can get to you. I know this sounds like science fiction, but it's not. It's science truth. It's what is they're working on right now. A lot of this has already been, well, with the Iraqi soldiers and the voice of God, that's already been an implementation for 20, over 25 years. And now we have other things that are coming online. We just have to be really careful about it. I interviewed somebody back 10 years ago is an indigenous um, nation where they were chipping the indigenous nations back in the 90s because they control all their health care. And they were trying to figure out if they chipped and they wanted to bill them through their chip. They wanted to have all their me their um, medical records in their chip. They wanted all that stuff. You go to the doctor and you don't have funds, you won't be seen that day. That's how they were working with this. And so, the, and if you go to the doctor, they automatically deduct it from your account and your chip. And they were making these indigenous groups do this back in the 90s. And so that's how long they've been working on the, the chips to control us. It's been in the works for a long time. It's just very dark in the sense of no media attention. Nobody knows about it because there's only a few scientists that come out and speak about it. But it's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Okay, so what are the solutions? Because it's pretty scary. I mean, how do, how do we deal with this stuff? Okay, I'm going to play Harari again for solutions. I know a lot of people don't like him, but he has a pretty good solution here too on how to know yourself and how to how some ways to get around this manipulation. All of us are, are flooded by enormous amounts of information and destruction. I mean, this is the most distracted age in history. And to really understand uh, the world all your life, you need some peace and quiet. You need, you need some sanctuary from this enormous flood. And for me, meditation provides this sanctuary. The point is to understand your normal self, who you really are. What are your mental weaknesses? How you are when you're bored, or when you're angry, or when you're fearful? If you get to know that, that's much more important than having, I don't know, an hour of some special experience. I think without this practice of meditation, I would not be able to write my books or to try and understand what's happening in the world. To stay in the game, you need to get to know yourself better. Also, in order to protect yourself against being manipulated by these external forces. There are doers who are doing things without consciously understanding their, what it's doing to the world. And then philosophers, meaning we are stepping, taking a step back, no matter what profession we're in, and saying, 
we are going to consciously think about what this is and how it affects our lives. But listen to him talk about this. Uh, these questions are now migrating from the Department of Philosophy to the Department of Engineering. And whereas philosophers are very, very patient people, they can discuss an issue for thousands of years and not agree on an answer and be okay with it. Engineers are impatient, and the people who pay the engineers are even more impatient. If you want to put a self-driving vehicle on the road, you need to solve all kinds of ethical dilemmas and issues about free will that has been argued about for thousands of years, but you want to do it next year or in five years. So I think now, um, if the philosophers don't do their job, the engineers will do that job too, and that's very dangerous. Okay, so he's saying that the engineers and the business people are like Google and Elon Musk and the Neuralink and all those things are being pushed down our throats and this is happening. It's going as fast as they possibly could get it out because they're not looking at what the ramifications are for society at large. They're just looking at their bottom line. That's what he's saying. And that we need to take a step back and say, wait a minute, what is this? We don't have that much time. He's warning us we only have a decade or so. And that if we don't get this under control, this is the power that they're going to have. They're going to know us so well, better than we know ourselves, that they can manipulate us. Just like the Robert Epstein study that was done in Australia, they can do that in almost everything that we do. They manipulate people. Only the most aware people will be able, people who know themselves the best, will be able to fight the urges and the messages that they're sending. And they are getting extremely powerful tools to be able to do that. Okay, I'm not going to finish with him. I want to talk also about James Corbett just did an article I thought was absolutely excellent. He's talking about amnesia and the fact that when we are reading newspaper, well, first of all, I think you should stop reading anything that's mainstream media. If you believe that someone has lied to you, give them a chance to correct themselves because we're all humans. But if they don't and they just keep doing the propaganda, get rid of them. Don't ever listen to them again. If you are watching the mainstream media talk about the Russian false Russian collusion story and you're still listening to the same media, something's wrong with you at that point. Because shame, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And that's why you got to start taking responsibility for the people who are lying to you. Stop watching them. But give them a little bit of grace because they're humans, right? But he had a really good point. He was talking about, James Corbett had a really good point. He was talking about amnesia. And amnesia, basically what he was meaning is that we read something that's our wheelhouse. Like some reporter who's not very astute in some area, we read the article and we go, this is just total hogwash because we know it personally or we have personal experience with it. Right. So we think, oh, this is hogwash. But then we move to the next page in the magazine or newspaper and we suddenly and something we don't know much about. We suddenly think that's not hogwash either because we don't know much about the topic. We believe everything we're reading. But the topics we do know stuff about, we know they're all BS and propaganda. But the other articles magically aren't because we don't know anything about it. So that's another good point. If you're reading a newspaper or, or propaganda network or one of the mainstream anybody it doesn't have to be it can be a small outfit and you are um, seeing certain articles that are totally full of crap because you have that experience yourself and you know that's your wheelhouse try not to have the amnesia we all kind of have that you know we suddenly think that some historical topic 
that we that we know nothing about. They're right on this, but not on other things. If you catch that their journalists doing this, just assume their whole organization probably has the same issues because their editorial staff is not looking for that kind of quality. So that isn't in their entire organization is going to be filled, riddled with crap. And so that's an indication you should not be associating with those media sources. Okay, so what else can you do? You know, aside from meditation and knowing yourself better, watching what you read, also help others, have conversations, get back to the Sunday dinners with your family and have conversations, check each other, make sure that, that your children are learning about all these psychological operations and how they're being brainwashed. Teach them to have the critical thinking skills. I did another show on creativity and we showed how children by the age of 12, almost all of their creativity and critical thinking skills are gone. We just beat it out of them in our public schools. Only 12% of the people by the age of 18 still have the same creativity skills they had when they were five. We lose it in the public school systems and even in the private school systems. We've beat it out of them. And so another solution is if you have children, make sure that they're getting a better education than what you're getting in some of these public or all the public schools and most of the private schools. Look, maybe there's homeschooling, maybe there's better charter schools that focus on creativity and critical thinking skills because we need more people with critical thinking skills. And that starts with our little ones. And for those of us who have been, has a lot of it beaten out of us, we got to work to regain it. We got to work to create those critical thinking skills. Think about where did they get this information? When hearing a story, where did this information come from? And how do we know it's true? And then go and do your own homework and say, if this doesn't seem right, then maybe it isn't right. And then also check yourself. Make sure that you aren't feeling the need to do something just because the herd is doing it. Don't ever go with just the herd. Go with what you think is right. Okay, those are my solutions. We, we are going to have some issues with some of this hardcore technology. What The other thing that we need, this is the last thing we need, is engineers can create the problems. Yes, I'm an engineer. I know we can create these problems. But we can also solve these problems. And you don't necessarily have to be an engineer to solve the problems. The best solutions come from outside the fields, right? So solutions can come from anywhere and anybody can be a scientist if you want to apply yourself but if they can do things to manipulate your brains we can do things to guard it from being manipulated well we can have a bulletproof vest for our brain and we can develop some of these things where the frequencies can't penetrate but we got to get to work on this stuff maybe they have some of this already the military because when they develop these weapons a lot of times they also develop the defense for it but we need to get our hands on this stuff and we need to start protecting ourselves and our communities because this is coming down. I mean, we this is a freight train coming at us and we need to know that this is happening because if you're unaware, it's so insidious because this is a technology that if you're unaware, you will be affected without even knowing that you're affected. So that's why we need to work together to make people more aware and to come up with solutions. 
Okay. So that's my presentation. I hope you enjoyed this and got something out of it. I know this is really dense that you can study this for years and there's still more and more and more information that you can get. If you want to see programs that I put on, go to sarahwestall.com. You can sign up for all of my different, I'm on like 50 different platforms and I have my own Substack, and that's where I write a lot of my own articles. I have exclusives. You can go to sarahwestall.substack.com. Okay. Thank you so much. I hope you guys all have a blessed Christmas and New Year's. And again, thank you so much for Jim Fetzer for putting on this wonderful conference again in 2023. Thank you so much. Thank you.